Imagine what it'd be like if we were really curious about each other. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Relational Spirituality, the weekly podcast of LargerStory.com, the podcast that sees all relationships as spiritual and all spiritual formation as relational. Now, here's your host for this week, Roseanne Moore. Hello, Larger Story audience. We're so happy to have you back with us again today. My name is Roseanne Moore, and my colleague, Carlene Cannon, is with me. Hello. Carlene, you want to say hi? Um, And we are looking this year at the book, A Different Kind of Happiness, where Dr. Larry Crabb talks about the seven questions of spiritual theology. We're going to do a deep dive this year. Stay with that theme on our podcast and our book club, a lot of different ways. We've got mm-hmm. some new material f- from the archives, things that, that Larry recorded before his death that, that have not been released previously. And so we're sharing those each month on the podcast. And then mm-hmm. we're talking about them together. Carlene and I just wanted to dive into that today. Carlene, what stood out to you the most? about that first question, who is God? Yeah, I think when I first started to, gosh, about 12 years ago, really connect with Larry and his material and his sort of way of thinking about faith, the idea that God, not just that God is personal and and therefore relational, like I'd always been told I have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that God exists in community, that God exists as relationship. That's the defining essence of his nature. And therefore, the kind of relationship that he wants to have with me is so much more alive and energetic and dimensional than how I had previously understood a personal relationship. Like I thought personal relationship, he knows my name, he knows my personality. Obviously he chose me like there, but it didn't, <clears throat> there was a missing element. But not your nice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and yet he's actually invited me into this, as Larry says in his, in his talk, this tension-free community, which is, so attractive to be a part of a tension-free community <clears throat> and that, that there's some kind of whole, good, loving connection that is actually what God's offering me. It, it just blew my mind. It was so much more than what I had in my 40 years of being part of church in at least what I thought trying to be formed into the likeness of Christ, like I had just missed this really fundamental aspect of who God really is. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that if if you haven't listened to the podcast that we're referring to, it's Mm -hmm. episode 50. One of the things that Larry talked about in there was when people were asked about what they thought of when they thought of God, he said that things responses came in basically two categories, one that was Mm -hmm. relational, one that was more impersonal. And one of the things that struck me because of 
other things that I'm watching and thinking about and watching in relationships around me and thinking mm -hmm. about in terms of that is how much we project. And so like you were saying, even I've been a Christian for 46 years mm -hmm. and how much of what I thought of as spiritual formation really had more to do with projection of an image of God that I had gotten from other shaping events in my life mm -hmm. or what other people said, which was shaped by their shaping events in their mm -hmm. lives and how much tended to be projection of, yeah. of my life or my culture or my experience rather than, I guess as the older I as I get older, I'm more aware of what it means to draw near to God as I am in the truth mm -hmm. of who I am mm -hmm. and have him surprise me with mm -hmm. the truth of who he is, have him yeah. disrupt right. my categories of thinking. Yeah. 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 I think that's great. I, I think somehow in the, in my absorption, <clears throat> excuse me, of what I had grown up with, like you were just saying, I felt like I had this sort of cognitive understanding or at least acceptance maybe of the doctrine of the Trinity, this three and one and all the different metaphors. And <clears throat> I had, I, I, I fully believed it, but I didn't have a real understanding of then what were the implications of God as Trinity? And that was never, ever talked about. We were, I was just given this belief or this doctrine to assent mentally to, but <clears throat> there was never then a, and so then here is why that matters. And here's what your life can look like if you fully embrace this and live toward that kind of God as opposed as so then to your point even though I had knowledge of the doctrine of the Trinity I still related to God in all the ways that my church culture had described him and so I think there were just long seasons where that wasn't enough I mean, right. god it's not that god wasn't enough i my understanding of him wasn't enough and i think in his book finding god where larry was grappling with the grief and the magnitude of his brother's death in a plane crash that's what he says he's i came to the realization that i don't know god well enough to actually survive this and so i need to know more of god or i'm not going to make it and I don't know that I actually had a crisis point in, in that same way, but I think the teaching that Larry was offering, it did expose that I was similarly deficient in how I understood and knew God. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that because I actually grew up in a church that was named Trinity mm -hmm. and a Christian school, corresponding mm -hmm. Christian school that was also named Trinity. <laughs> and, and yet I don't remember, as you're saying, I think yeah. discussion of the Trinity was limited to this is what people who believe Orthodox Christianity assent to. Yeah. It, 
beyond that, there was never really any exploration of why that mattered. I, I think for me, just in the way that God unfolded revealing himself, mm-hmm. I, I can remember going through a season where seeing Jesus as someone who had come and to show us the father, like the incarnation became really important to me. Like he was the one who was approachable and knowable. And then later going through a season where the father, uh, getting to know the heart of the father was really important. And another season still where the spirit was, but the three together and that perfect community and the fact that community there's no wholeness without community and Mm -hmm. that when we're invited into relationship with god we're still that the community of god also points to that we are not complete just with us god but with a larger community that Mm -hmm. i think came through larry for me yeah 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 and it's like the lord knew that it had to be learned in pieces because yeah i would say i have a similar story where there were seasons in my life where i was just much more connected and aware and attuned to a particular person of the trinity my story has a lot of father issues in it and so there's a whole season where i grappled with what is a father and do i even want one and what does that mean about god and So I would have a similar kind of journey. And so I guess that one thing I was thinking as you were talking about your school and your church is I I had experienced the Trinity. And this is actually, this statement really hit me. I had experienced the Trinity as a line item in the statement of belief. Mm -hmm. And that's actually somewhat tragic when you then see the vision of what Larry's starting to talk about in this in the podcast episode 50 that you mentioned of just what it means to be invited into that community and to live life with that divine community to partake in the divine nature as it says in first Peter one he was captivated by that phrase partake in the divine nature and as a result of my work on his work, I've become captivated with it too. And I don't know that I have a sort of rich experiential understanding of that phrase, but but there is something very intriguing about it. And it's very clear that's what we're offered is the opportunity to partake of the in the divine nature. And that is essentially the relationality of the Trinity. And so that opens up a whole, at least for me, a whole new dimension of my spiritual life and, and, and my life. Um, what what God is actually offering, the opportunity we have in that mm-hmm. idea of being, of living in the Trinity, with the Trinity, not just knowing about the Trinity. Or defending a line item in a state. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's a really good way to put it because... Yeah. How easy, how frequent is it? And I think about my early years, this would have been very true of me. I would have argued a fact without knowing, having the heart of the person in my view at all. 
Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Or the way that he wanted to reveal himself to the person I was arguing with. <laughs> better, like, yeah. It's really convicting to think. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I one of the things that really struck me in what Larry was saying was how prone we are. Like we make God in our image. And so mm. even we account encounter what is true mm. about him, yeah. what we tend to do is project it from our own lives and our own experiences instead of actually taking in who he is we we take in information and then we make it about ourselves and we project a god who is strong and powerful but not close or a god who is warm and affirming but doesn't actually change us or like whatever the thing is for a particular person, we have a tendency to project rather than kind of the vending machine God, whatever we need in the moment, we push that button and we get compassion or we get, sorry, whatever it is we're looking for instead of entering into a life Mm -hmm. with a family. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we've been in various church denominations over the years. And one of the things when my kids have run up against things that they, mm-hmm. I was very much in one mindset for a while. Mm-hmm. And so there's been benefit in being able to hear from believers in other yeah. like church traditions. Mm-hmm. And we're actually looking at a new church now that's from a very different church tradition than anything we've done before. And yeah. And one of the things I've talked about with my kids is in a lot of ways, we can approach scripture with blinders on Mm -hmm. so that don't even hear or see what's there. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us have a a tendency to, and I think denominations have a tendency where God reveals himself in a particular way. And instead of seeing that as one way of him expressing himself to us in relationship, we build a whole, we gather other people who have had that same experience and then we Mm -hmm. build a whole framework of thinking around it. And and then we defend it to the death. (laughs) And he's much bigger than that. He's shown up in another to others and there's another part of his character. He's spotlighted. And so they build a whole they do the same yeah. thing and the two groups argue and there's so much wisdom to be found in the fullness of the body of Christ and, yeah. and being able to hear. And a friend shared a book with me recently. That's a testimony. And there are some things theologically that I get antsy about, but I really felt like the Lord was saying, like sit and mm-hmm. listen to the truth of how I met this woman. Yeah. And and it was, it's been good. It's been good yeah. to do that and to come with fresh eyes and, and have a, a new conversation with the Lord mm-hmm. out of, that, of hearing how he met her. So how, if you don't mind my asking, how has that sort of new exposure to another person's experience of God, how has that, what has that invited you into? What kind of opportunity have you found in that? And how has that been part of how you've experienced the Trinity and partaking of the divine nature? I think it's easy because I look back on my 
there are certain seasons of my life with God that I interpreted a particular way. Mm-hmm. And then they got, that got challenged by a new perspective, which wasn't mm-hmm. entirely wrong. It's easy then to p- make the whole thing untrue. Yeah. And to just swing of like holding, a pendulum. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of holding the tension that there's more to God than what I can capture. And so yeah. I think reading that book brought me back to, it, it was specifically this woman's testimony of physical healing and the way that the Lord mm. lined things up in very specific ways. I have right. my own experience right. of healing, but the things that followed that were really confusing at times. And, and so I think there's a sense yeah. in which the, the uncertainty that I felt over that after mm. having so much certainty, I've yeah. just pushed that out of the way. And it was the Lord's invitation again to go, mm. don't forget that I am your healer. Like right. you've known this, you've experienced yeah. this. Yeah. And, and so to come back to that and let myself start another conversation instead of just mm. with God about it, instead of just going, I don't understand what that was about. And I feel disillusioned yeah. that, that I thought I did. And then I didn't. Yeah. And how do yeah. I trust my perception of you? How do I trust your the way that you talk to me all of those things um to come back again and i think i'm in a different season of my life now so that i can i'm Mm -hmm. less focused on i was saying this to somebody the other day i'm less focused on on what is right Mm -hmm. i'm more asking the question what is true not in like absolute black and white but what is true in the sense that it's going to take me closer to the heart of God instead of instead of some kind of wall of protection that I put so that I have truth so that I won't be hurt or yeah. so that I won't be disappointed yeah. or right. what does it look like instead to move toward God looking for truth that will take me more deeply into his heart and be and become more like him instead yeah. of protected from the pain of being, you know. Right. I but you it was funny because I was thinking along similar lines before you even took that path in the conversation. And I was recognizing this is why I love talking to you, Rosie, and I see all these things that I hadn't seen before about myself. And so it's very good. But I was recognizing that for so many years, my pursuit of God was about finding the right answers about God and finding the right answers about life, and finding the right answers about me. And it's really natural and easy for me to slip into that. There is some comfort and a sense of self-protectiveness and getting the having the right answers. And it also, I think to your point that you were just describing it, it in some ways takes you further away from the heart of God. Because what I've been learning I've been immersed in Larry's life work and building some curriculum and just as a result, been really focused on, particularly on these seven questions. And what has been the most profound part of it all to me is that in every moment, event, in every circumstance, in every feeling, in everything that goes through my mind, God is inviting me to himself. 
And he is not nearly as concerned about me getting the right answers. Me knowing the right answer doesn't change what is true or real or who he is. And, and he can open himself up and, and invite me into that life. And I don't have to have the right answer to accept the invitation. And I too have experienced events in my life where my theology has been challenged and I've had to consider the fact that maybe I got some things wrong and therefore made some decisions based on some of it that might not have been best. And my experience of God in those moments is that he's just really glad that I'm still looking for him. And he always has something that he's offering me if I'm willing to receive it. Mm-hmm. And, but if I keep insisting on the right answer, he's not going to force me to do something else. And then I just spin around and not only do I get nowhere, but I am alone in that. I mean, it's not that he's not there. I think God is always present, but I'm not able to experience his presence because I'm spinning around looking for some certainty or some answer instead of just resting in what God's invited me into. I think as I look at my story, a big part of my story was having right answers so that I could be the gold star kid. And to accept that I'm beloved without having answer that it actually was a barrier to just being accepting being beloved, trying to earn it instead. And yeah, so that's. Well, and I think something you said earlier that I held on to you was something to the effect of I'm not big enough to get all of God. And so if I insist on having gotten it all right when I was 25 or 30 or 45 or today, how foolish of me because God is like, he promises us the fullness of himself. Like he's, that's what, when Jesus incarnated, he brought the fullness of God into the world. And that, that takes more than a lifetime that takes eternity. And so why would I be so foolish to think I would actually find all the right answers? Like it's a faulty premise from the beginning. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the arrogance of of, self-righteousness because It's not my righteousness, it's his that exactly. is the basis of my belonging to him. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And the, the other thing it, I think it does, too, when we have that, that kind of mindset is it shuts down actual growth because mm-hmm. we're defending a an already staked out territory instead of uh, there's nothing we do in our lives that we do well to begin with. Right. So why would knowing God be right. any, why do we think we, it's the difference between a checklist and knowing a person, knowing the checklist of all the right things instead of actually knowing the person. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that we've focused on because of a couple of quotes from Larry and C.S. Lewis and other things in the course that we're releasing at the end of the month is that life with God is an adventure. It's fun. It's, it's this whole, it's not all fun. It's this magnificent opportunity 
to join in something that's transcendent and bigger. And it's a glorious adventure. And I take myself out of that opportunity when I have to control it or I have to know everything before I set off or I have to have a plan. Like what all that I have to or I should or I will actually works against the adventure. It actually takes me off the narrow road that is the adventure that God has written for us, which is so much more appealing. The narrow road is not particularly appealing, that whole idea. But at least if it's an adventure, there's something, there's some notion that there's excitement and goodness and, and fun and growth and yeah, good experience on an adventure. Yeah. And you talked about the whole should thing, because that's one thing that I think I'm paying a lot of attention to mm-hmm. whenever I'm in a conversation with someone and they're saying, mm-hmm. what should I do? Yeah. Or I'm finding myself feeling, I guess I should yeah. to automatically take that as a, a point of, wait, step back. Don't do anything because you should. Right. What's actually going on? Yeah. And, and it's not that there aren't things that are right or wrong, but it, it's a deeper question of what's happening in my heart, because in my heart, I want to be moving toward God, not because mm-hmm. I should, right. but because he's desirable. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so often I think I keep myself, in some ways, I think I keep myself from moving toward him because I'm still trying to live by a checklist that says should. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. If I could just, if I could just get all the shits and aughts checked off, then I can move on to the real stuff. And yet yeah. there are times when what I think should on the checklist is not actually what he's asking for. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. your tickets, to your basketball tickets. Um, yeah. Where there, there was the, the mental pressure of, I should want to go to the summit, but right. no, I'm inviting you into yeah. the new revelation of me as your father. Delighting yeah. you. So <laughs> that's actually good. That's a, um, that is one of the times that I look back and think where, of where I really did experience life in the Trinity because it violated all of my sort of code of being spiritual, if you will. I was supposed to pray for the, for God's will to be done at the summit and pray for, and I did pray for all of those things, but then I also prayed to go to this game, which kind of seemed counterproductive. And so it was really more about, because God's will is going to be done at the summit, no matter what I did, but I had to accept his invitation for his will to be done in me at that game. And so I think, yeah, I think that's exactly the kind of, you know, 20 years ago, I don't even know that I would have allowed my felt like I shouldn't, you know? Um, and so I think that's a good example of learning this tension, for, you're relating in this tension-free community. There's, I think God cares about our decisions. I'm not saying that, but I do think he cares less maybe than we think everybody else cares <laughs> or that he that he's going to take care of that if we continue to step into the invitation he's issuing as we go through life with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think more and more I'm realizing that 
more fixed I am in my in per, pursuing an actual genuine relationship with him, being honest with him, mm-hmm. I, I actually will end up making fewer sidesteps that mm-hmm. way than by trying so hard to do it right. Because if I'm actually following his voice, right, I'm I may get some things wrong, but he hasn't. I can remember back when I was struggling with my health mm-hmm. and the Lord was taking me to a pivotal point that he used to heal me. And mm-hmm. I was wrestling with, is this true? Is this something I should be even asking for or yeah. wishing for? Right. What's true? I talked to a pastor friend and he pointed me to John 10, mm-hmm. that my sheep hear my voice. And he said, I had always read that as they know me and they follow me. He said, but yeah. that's not what the passage says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. Hmm. And they follow me. And he said, Roseanne, if you are trying to follow his voice, whether you get it all right or not, he knows you. He's holding on to you. And and that, as I look back and look at how the Lord met me, the areas of confusion that followed, what has been true, what's been faithful, God has held on to me. Yeah. I can actually remember a really pivotal point in my heart as I was wrestling with that, wrestling with things in my life, struggling with what's right. And the Lord just saying, you don't have to be afraid because I've written mm-hmm. my, your, my name on your heart. Right. And I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. I think our conversation here is just a snippet or the tip of the iceberg regarding how important it is, how we answer this question, who is God? And it has wide ranging, deep rooted implications for how we experience both the good and the bad of the the things that happen to us. And so I hope that our listeners have also embrace the idea that the way we answer these the way we answer these questions and the things God puts on our hearts regarding these questions it changes everything that's the title of the talk that uh, was part of episode 50 is who is God the answer that changes everything and I think that's what we've been talking about here is the more that we cognitively accept but then wholeheartedly embrace, who God is in the moment, who he's offering him, what he's offering of himself and who we understand him to be and how we respond to the opportunities of knowing him, as you were just saying, it changes everything. Yeah. And I think the other part of that is bringing the truth of who we are because, because one barrier that I see a lot is that often often when there's a struggle to believe what God has said about himself, mm-hmm. it's rooted in the story of the person who's struggling. Mm-hmm. And so they try harder mm-hmm. to, or they give up mm-hmm. because it doesn't it seems like they have to be dishonest. Yeah. And, and there are instead of bringing the 
brokenness of our lives into the presence of God and letting our becoming fully human in his presence, there's something about that becomes the pathway to knowing him instead of trying to deny our humanity or Mm -hmm. submit somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That's not how we actually come to know him. Mm -hmm. We bring our created selves with all of our brokenness to him. And the more honest we are, it made me think of the thing that Larry shared at the end, the quote he shared at the end, that Hitler's answer to the question of God, his God was powerful. Mm -hmm. He never engaged the brokenness of his own childhood and the things that shaped him to desire power above all else to avoid pain. And in the course of that, to sanction brutality, it we become very misshapen when mm. we do not bring who we are in our pain, in our brokenness, in the truth of who we are, instead of trying to that whole red dot thing. Right. Come back to the whole red right. dot. Right. God meets us where we are, yeah, not where we think we should be, not where we, think we pretend to be, yeah. Yes not where we pretend to be because when we do that i think that's when we're probably most at risk from failing to see him seeing him through a misshapen lens and projecting something that's not true is when we're not willing to engage the truth of where we are and say this is where i am meet me here Mm -hmm. um yeah i think that doesn't that go back to what we were talking about earlier and how our understanding of god how we project our own sort of ways of thinking onto God, I tend to be very judgmental and critical of people. So I tend to think that's how God is and other people are. And so then I need to get myself cleaned up and I need to be careful about how I present myself and I need to make sure I understand what's expected of me. And and so then once again, my projection onto God has reduced my experience of him because I'm trying to do something that he's not asking me to do. And I love what you said about showing up in our full humanity. That's what the incarnation, like if Jesus could show up in full humanity, God must be okay with that. It's so not that I, my humanity is flawed and, and broken and ugly and all those things, but that's still I think part of what, of why the incarnation ma- matters is that that's how we are invited to partake of the divine nature, to show up fully as we are. And to. It's not the humanity that was the problem, it was the fallenness of humanity. Right, right. So the exactly. limitation of yeah. being a human, Jesus yeah. embraced. Yeah. 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 But the separation is something that he came to reverse. And that God wants us. He he went to great lengths and continues to draw us to himself and to draw near to us. Yeah, just as we are. Yeah. Thank you, Roseanne. I really enjoyed this conversation. Larger Story family, I hope that you have enjoyed our time together. We as we have these conversations, we're always thinking of you and what you might be thinking and how you're experiencing this. And so I hope this has been good, a good opportunity to step into something new this year. Uh, as Roseanne said, we are 
really focused on uh, these seven questions of spiritual theology that Larry outlined in his book, The Different Kind of Happiness, but also are a different kind of happiness and also in so much of his teaching in the last 10 years of his life. Uh, so we'll continue to do this. Uh, I did mention that we have a course that we will be um, launching at the end of the month, and it is all about these seven questions and and really some an, an exploration of what they how these seven questions impact you, your relationship with God, your relationship with others. Yeah, I hope that you're able to really join us this year as we dive deeply into spiritual theology and how it changes your life. So thank you for joining us and we look forward to coming together again next week. Thanks so much, Carleen. Thank you, Roseanne. If you like what you heard today, hit the like button just below. Then come back by subscribing to our podcast channel. For more resources on relational spirituality, go to our website at largerstory.com.